I'm Boris Lamont and you're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. In this episode we're doing a harvest update for 2020 and we're in the Waipara region, North Canterbury in the South Island of New Zealand. We'll be speaking with Paul Goodage, the winemaker at The Bone Line, Paul Donaldson at Pegasus Bay and Frank Manifold who's the winemaker at Mount Brown Estates. So let's go and see how the 2020 harvest is looking for Waipara in North Canterbury. Um, so hi Paul. Hi Boris. Thanks for coming on the podcast with us. So yeah maybe just if you could just briefly tell listeners who you're with and, and where, you're, where, you're situate, where you're situated. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I, I'm the winemaker for the Bone Line. We're situated in North Canterbury, and we grow this the River Valley in uh, in uh, North Canterbury here, and we grow right up the back of it. We're the, uh, the most west, uh, heading over to Waikari would be the next. We're from the Valley and Valhilla. We're sort of heading in that direction, right up the back of the River Valley. Right. Okay. And you you've pretty much you've pretty much wrapped up harvest for 2020 yeah yeah uh, we had just got Cabernet Franc just doing post-ferment maceration so by the end of the month we'll have pretty much everything pressed and uh, yeah all all wrapped up and ready for a holiday yeah good good and so is it is it quite a long harvest for you you've got a few varietals that you're that you're picking and working across different times when when you're thinking they're ready yeah so we sort of kick off not long after most of the uh, the wineries in the valley, and then uh, we sort of that's the bulk of harvest in that three week period, and then we actually have a, about a three week gap, usually three to four weeks, and then we pick the the, the cabernet franc, um, have a little bit of merlot, which comes in about halfway actually, uh, and then we have a little bit of cabernet sauvignon as well. So it's definitely uh, it feels like two harvests in one. Most years, because it is a we're, we're certainly in a marginal climate. So our Cabernet Franc, we really want to get those seed tannins mature and and reduce the sort of herbaceousness. Basically, whatever as much as the season can give us, um, we'll, we'll wait till the leaves nearly fall off. Yeah, that's the approach. So it's a long season. And how's it been? How is how's it looking this year's harvest and how, what, what, what's it been like in the months leading up to it? A lot of things sort of went our way, I think, looking back in retrospect. We sort of had an earlier bud burst than usual, which seems to be the trend every year. It's getting earlier and earlier. But we had a kind sort of October, so um, no issues with frost. And then we, uh, the defining feature of the season really was how hot November was. Uh, it was hottest on record, so going back, records go back 30 years. So. Yeah, very hot November. So uh, we basically, that basically just pushed us about two to three weeks ahead of, of normal and really good flowering because of that hot November. Everything rocketed through, uh, which um, left us really well set up. And then the, the other, it also, though, did, we're on gravels here and, and we lost a lot of this sort of water buffer in the gravels due to that windy, hot, dry month. And it didn't really let up. We we sort of had drought declared uh, late, uh, mid to late summer. And uh, for the first time, we were really uh, having to sort of ration our irrigation water just to sort of keep 
blocks from losing leaf, which was a real struggle for us. We are restricted on how much water we can uh, use. Irrigation was certainly the word on everyone's lips for the majority of summer. And then March sort of came along. We did get some water in the head, uh, rain in the headwaters, which sort of kept us uh, going. And then March was very cold, very mild and cold. So that slowed everything up. So it sort of all worked in our favour in that the season was early, but but then March sort of put, pumped the brakes a bit and allowed us to just allowed us to sort of pick a bit slower, sort of thing, because we were restricted. We, we were restricted in how many pickers we could have during that time, and um, it just sort of it wasn't too much of a panic with everything sort of stacking up in terms of needing to be picked. It was. Uh, it was just a nice, pleasant three weeks of picking, and it allowed us to really achieve what we set out to do, regardless of the COVID nineteen outbreak. We we only really have one option here of making the best wine we can. Yeah, there was no sort of just book a harvester and pick the vineyard in a, in a few days. We we had to do it our way. The weather and the fact that yeah, the the way the season had rolled to that point allowed us to do that. That was sort of quite fortunate in a way then because you had to have reduced workers. The weather was okay. You weren't panicking or forced into trying to get it in. No, exactly. At the time, it just sort of fell into place. It felt the pickers really got on board with the restriction, keeping a diary, keeping to their keeping two metres and having their own bins and all that. And, yeah, I think there's so many things that went in our favour in terms of or A, getting on top of the virus early. If it was, would have been much more of a personal decision to come to work if it felt safe. And the weather played ball. Very grateful for that. And how's the um, how's the fruit looking sort of at this point? Yes. In terms of condition, uh, the fruit was pretty much uh, impeccable. The only sort of, as I touched on, the drought did have a little bit of, well, we lost a bit of crop on the outside rows and things like that just to desiccation from not being able to keep up watering. Now, the majority of the fruit was perfect condition and the wines, as I also touched on, we were able to sort of set out. Every year we try and try and evolve uh, how we make the wines stylistically and we're preparing for organic. Our 2021 wines will be organic, so we're using this year as a, as a tester to a full organic conversion in the winery. Um, and we were able to achieve all that uh, I think looking looking at what we got in, in, in barrel and in tank, and the wines are Wiper North Canterbury is a real it's a yo-yo sort of place in terms of the wines that we it's so dictated to by the the, the flowering and um, that sets up the crop then the weather and we sort of had we go back and forth what we have eighteen was quite a plump elegant juicy year where nineteen. We had small crops, really concentrated, savoury, titanic. This year feels very much in the middle. We've got a real vibrancy to the fruit, and they were sort of medium-sized berries, so they, they, they have that, that concentration of tannin along with some of that more elegant uh, vibrancy. So I'm particularly excited about that in, in the Pinot Noir will be a standout for us. That, yeah. that sounds exciting. And just, just for listeners, what, what are the varieties? So, yeah, we, we have Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling, Pinot Noir. We have a small bit of Syrah, 
small bit of Merlot, two hectares of Cabernet Franc, and a small bit of Cabernet Sauvignon. And within that, we have it's a real fruit salad vineyard, and Lindsay sort of planted it over ten years. It's a mix of things on their clones on their own roots and, and grafted purchased vines. So yeah, we we have of each variety we have various clones, and we have also three terraces. So um, we have them in various blocks. So we're a small, we're twenty four hectares. But we uh, multiple. We pretty much make as much work for ourselves as possible <laughs> by splitting it up into clone, clonally and zonally. Yeah, small batch wine making. Uh, yeah. Most things go to barrel. You've mentioned the Pinot, the Pinot Noir, looking good. And it, how about the others? Pinot, I'm particularly chuffed with because we did set out to do a few things differently, and I feel like we've we achieved those. The Chardonnay. Almost felt effortless, sort of reasoning because we'd sort of done um, what we did with the Pinot with them in previous years, really played around with how we wanted to evolve the wines. And we sort of set back with those and they just made themselves and, and they look they really good, uh, really vibrant, good acidity, uh, nice balance. Yeah, really chuffed with them. Sauvignon was a bit like the Pinot. We are sort of steering away from sort of herbaceous file driven style and we're going a bit more I keep saying peachy. I don't know why, but that's why I keep telling people we're trying to make our soaking on a bit more peachy and a bit uh, textural. And I think yeah we've we've basically made a about six parcels soaking on from our small vineyard and really played around with that and I'm really excited about those too. Yeah, the Cabernet Franc looks very similar to um, the good years the the sixteen and eighteen uh, Got that real nice red licorice character, nice sort of dried herb and good good uh, powdery tannin. So across the board, I think it's very exciting. It does sound exciting. Look forward to that. And when will they be available for people? The whites maybe sort of later this year and the reds in a while? Yeah, we'll, we'll probably kick off with um, we make a small amount of rosé from it's a blend of Merlot and Pinot Noir. And we'll try and get that out for spring. That'll be the first wine. And then the others uh, will be next year. But next year, we might the dry reasoning, our bare bone Chardonnay, which is a bit of a stripped back Chardonnay style, release. Lee's age dom- uh, influence. So, yeah, but the main one at the moment to focus on will be the rose. That sounds exciting. And I think people will be looking forward to trying those out when they can. You know, it's a, it's a funny one. We feel more relief than anything at this stage. Um, yeah. You know, just don't have it done. But I think um, with time, that's the beauty of winemaking is it's a time capsule. We'll be able to look back with these wines and really celebrate them. Like uh, Nationwide has been a very successful harvest. So, yeah. Yeah, there'll be some lovely wines to try and celebrate. Absolutely. Hey, that's great. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate you taking the time out to have a um, chat with us about that. Uh, Good luck with the rest of it. Uh, Have a nice holiday, I think. So now we're speaking with Paul Donaldson from Pegasus Bay in North Canterbury. Hi, Paul. Hi. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? You're good. Nice to to have you on this Harvest Update episode. How did it shape up for you, 2020? What was the sort of weather like leading up to the season and and harvest? How did it all pan out? We're describing it as an epic harvest, really, for us. Um, And we've been growing grapes here since, well, we planted the vines in 1986. So 
we've sort of we've had a few years' experience. Um, we found it to be a pretty pretty awesome summer coming into coming into harvest. So quite hot. Um, we had very compact flowering, which we we knew from from experience was going to mean that it was going to be quite a hard and fast harvest. So we we grow a lot of different varieties. We've got everything from your standard varieties through to Persimmon. We've got Cab Sav. We've got Malbec down here. And so we had a situation where the the Bordeaux Reds flowered only about a week after the Pinot. And in our experience, that meant that we were going to harvest them about a week after the Pinot, and and often it's a month after the Pinot. So right. we were very lucky because you know. All other craziness of the vintage aside, we didn't actually have to wait for stuff to get ripe and twiddle our thumbs worrying about other things in the world that might have impacted our ability to harvest. So we're very happy with how it went. So you had a, g- a good summer, did you say? And what about sort of spring and things and leading up into that? How was that late last year? It was really good, actually. As I say, we, it was a hot spring, so we had that compact flowering was, was because of that hot spring. It was yep. quite a dry summer, so so there was some, some nerves around the need to irrigate. And, I mean, we do have irrigation. We're on very free-draining soils. So we were watching the river, which was one of our sources of irrigation. We switched to a bore when it gets too low, but it was it was looking pretty sad for a while. But yeah, the, the result was you know really right, great physiological ripeness in the fruit, uh, nice early pick date. Uh, so for us, we were two weeks into it by the time lockdown hit. In other years, we wouldn't have started probably for another week after that. So right, thank you for. Yep. And so when when did you when did it all finish up for you then? It's still to, because we've got so many different varieties. We were still picking sort of right up until just before the end of that lockdown period. So. Mm-hmm. With another, the whole thing spanned about five and a half weeks. Right, okay, so, so just for listeners, we're talking mid, early mid-March right through the end of April, is that right? Yeah, correct. We are a wine-making company that has occasionally picked in June um, for for late harvest fruit, so I got all my stats to the New Zealand wine growers early this year, which has probably gave them a bit of a shock. They're normally chasing me up and I'm saying, oh, I've still got stuff hanging on the vine. What do you mean everyone else has finished? <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh yeah, we were, we were. Yeah, it was good, and we got good volumes and actually really good quality. And those two things don't normally go hand in hand. So no, well that's um, that was sort of going to be my next question. What I'm hearing from other regions is that they're very, very happy about the quality, but given the the dryness of the summer and even spring, that quantity is probably a little bit down from what they have been in, in previous years. But still, very happy about the quality. But it sounds like this year you you got both, which is a bonus. Yeah, and, and to be honest, what I've noticed in the last maybe 10 to 12 years with our vine age increasing, it's it's given the vines an ability to set a bit more regularly. Right. So early on, we had this slight boom and bust cycle with our, with our younger vines where we'd get overly affected in what people would see as a poor set year, and uh, and then you'd have a massive crop and a bumper year, and you'd have to crop thin it all. Yeah. And I definitely think with our age on the vines now, they seem to be a bit more getting into their rhythm and they're not so affected by those those cold cold or hot periods in spring. So just out of interest, what, what are some of your older vines you've got now? How old would they be? When we planted, I was only I was not even in high school and um, and my parents were big fans of the foreign foreign wines, but they didn't really know what was going to grow well down here. So we've got our original block, which is all on its own roots, is just about everything we've got. Merlot, Cab Sav, Cab Franc, Simeon, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, Pinot. Um, the reason we planted a couple of years later, but but still 1991, I think, was the reason we planted, or, or a little bit earlier. So those vines are now, you know, well over 30 years. Yeah. And even our, older vine, our younger vines, sorry, from our when we decided that Pinot was and reason very well suited to the area, 
and we planted more of those. I mean, they're still coming up over 20 years now as well. So mm. we've definitely, well, my feeling is that those those vine ages have helped us be a little more insulated and to lower crops. Yeah, we, we cropped and everything this year. Um, so so we weren't worried about the quantity. Um, we, were, we were cutting it off for quality. Okay, so good right across the reds and whites, all looking good? Pretty much, yeah. It is the first year in my recollection, like there's generally one variety that fails to fire for whatever reason but but this year we're just walking around the winery and we're trying barrel and tank samples and we're pretty much blown away by everything we've got and, huh. and that, that's just a marketing thing because no one will remember me saying this when I'm actually selling 2020 wines because we bottle age as well and we're, yeah. <laughs> we're probably not going to be selling for three years yeah. but no it is um, we're, we're very happy with come through. That's exciting. That's very good. And good across everything. Anything that particularly standing out for you? That, I mean, it's no, it's early days, but of anything that's jumped out and you've gone, wow. That's I guess, Joe, you know, all our regular stuff, Pinot Riesling, is, is very exciting. But for us, I'm, I'm quite impressed by the Bordeaux Reds this year. So normally, you know, as far south as we are, you would think it would be a bit hit and miss to be growing sort of Cab Sav and Cab Franc. But we picked Cab Sav probably a month earlier than we normally and it came in at 25 bricks and we were like wow that's that's amazing we, we sometimes leave it out and leave it out and it only gets to 23 and a half and we think it's going to have some green character and not be that nice but yeah. um yeah this year was was crazy yeah so so i think those porto reds will be a bit of a sort of a surprise package when people try them from from this region in this vintage yeah, look out hawks bay look out hawks bay <laughs> And so you'll keep those those reds for around about three years? Yeah, so at the moment we've just released our 2017 Pinot um, okay. on, you know, 2015 of our reserve Bordeaux red, but we're just about to swap to 2016. So our plan has always been to give it at least a year and a half in, in barrel for Pinot and then at least a year in bottle if we can get it prior to release. And in fact, we are just coming up to releasing our our 10-year aged release. So every year we, in August we release a 10-year-old Pinot and a 10-year-old Riesling that we have sat on effectively. We've been doing that since 2006, where oh. it was the first released in 2016. So we're pretty curious about the bottle aging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's nice. Oh, that's exciting. So that'll be coming up shortly for people to go out for. Yeah. And how about the whites? When will 2020 be around? Yeah, so again, we're probably chasing our tails a little bit with Chardonnay. I mean, we... Even then, we're still only just about to release our, our 2018, but that seems to have been one that, you know, with that kind of bring back Chardonnay movement, we, we have seen significant increases in demand for Chardonnay. But everything else, we've, we're still on the 2017s. We try and make a year supply each year and just assume that it'll, it'll roll over naturally. So we're, we're probably two years away, two and a half from releasing most of our whites from 2020. Okay, cool. Well, that's exciting. That, that sounds like a really, really good vintage. You'll be very, really, very pleased about that. Right. The only concern we had was that, we're well, not concerned, but yeah, we quite like a bit of botrytis in our Riesling, but yeah, it was quite a dry harvest, so we didn't do much of that. So there's no no dessert wines from, from 2020. Is that unusual for you not to get any, or is it, is it sort of up and down? We didn't, it's not that we didn't get any. We, we put it all in, like we didn't get much, and we put it into our dry Riesling, which has a botrytis component, which is a right. bit of an anomaly in New Zealand. So, right. so yeah, it was, it, was, it was less, but that's just, you know, that's just the season. Yeah. Most years we wouldn't. Really, it generally gets botrytis about a month from now. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate you giving us that um, little run through. Well done. Thank you. Getting it all in, exceptional circumstances. So uh, <laughs> that's very good. The rest of us yeah. are very pleased. So am I, actually. It's, uh, you know, it's that funny situation where you spend your whole year putting investment into a 
and you've really got that one shot to get it in. So we were very happy that things turned out the way they did. Yeah, um, not just to get in, but to get it in a great quality was, was lovely. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Paul. Awesome. Thanks, Boris. So now we have Frank Manifold, who's the winemaker at Mount Brown Estate. Hi, Frank. Hello. Hi, how are you going, Boris? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us, taking the time to have a quick chat about how Harvest 2020 was for you. So, yeah. How, That's what, right. Yeah. Was it like leading up to Harvest with through spring and summer, and what did you get given? Uh, well, <laughs> a mixed bag, really. If you, um, yeah, well, at the start was spring was early for us here at Mount Brown and not a bad spring season. We do lots of frost fighting at Mount Brown. We're in some um, in a couple of cold spots and we um, we employ helicopters and we have wind machines that we use for fighting frost and it was a very mild frost season for us. We were caught up maybe six to ten nights through the spring period but yeah no, nothing nothing serious, no burning or anything of the of the young shoots and you came out of, out of spring in, in, quite good, in quite good condition but but early, if, if there's one thing to say about the vintage 2020, aside from international pressures, there was it was a very very early season for us. Right, earlier than you would have normally. Fruit was really yeah, every, everything came on early. So yeah, bud burst was early and flowering was early. You know, we were talking like two weeks at the start of the of the very in spring, and then that kind of the the weather was really really kind to us. Warm, not too hot, but consistently warm. And that, that really did drive a good growing season. We we um we irrigate, and this season we really needed to irrigate. There were a couple of days that we got, got pretty hot. Well, last year, in 2019, we had a couple of days over 40 degrees here in Wiper, and that, that's quite stressful on the vines. Um, they kind of shut down in that, in that kind of heat, but nothing that serious this year. So as long as we had the water up to the vines, they performed um, really, really well. And, yeah, by the end, by coming up to harvest, we were yeah, two to three weeks ahead on a couple of our varieties here. Right, so what, what does that mean as far as dates go? When did you, when did you start picking? It was March. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it seems to be getting every, earlier every year for, for us here in Wiper. So early March, did you say? Was that oh, no, good? no, no. Sorry, um, yeah, late March. Yeah. Late March, right? For us, normally the kind of the first week of April, but we we're yeah, like around about the twentieth, I think, was their first harvest date. Um, right. I have to look at my notes. Um, yeah, no, sure. A while ago, and a lot's happened in between them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It was it a little bit longer then picking, given you had to deal with a bit of physical distancing and things. Yeah, yeah. It, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was too much longer. We did start picking before um, before the lockdown uh, happened, and got a bit of fruit in, and we kind of got things underway. All the systems were in place. The winery was organised to receive fruit. It, we we were under a bit of pressure coming up to harvest because of the of how early it was. So we did have to move quite quickly in that instance. Um, but once we're there, you know, systems are pretty good now. We've been um, operating out of this winery since 2013. It's not a complicated place. We try and keep things simple just so we can focus on the on the grapes and the wine coming through, yeah. And how was how was the fruit? We have all the bunches. Great. There was a couple of varieties that were up and down. The Pinot was up from, from 2019, which was which is good. 2019 was a bit of a smaller vintage for the region for Pinot Noir. Um, flowering fruit set was, was quite poor, but 2020 saw a big jump in, um, in yield and we saw quality as well. The season was great up to uh, Pinot Noir picking point, but with volumes too. Yeah, Catherine, Keith, one of the owners, is, is very, very happy to get quality and quantity this year. The whites have come through exceptional 
in my book. I'm a big fan of, of the whites and um, Sauvignon Blanc especially. And yeah, that's yeah, probably one of the better vintages that Mount Brown's produced would be a, a Sauvignon Blanc from 2020. Really consistent, able to get the fruit in a nice ripe and kind of clean condition. Quite excited about the 2020 Sauvignons. And so what are the varietals? You, you mentioned the Pinot Noir and the Sauvignon. So we do Pinot Gris. That's a variety that's become very, very popular for our Mount Brown brand. We do a bit of barrel fruit with that stuff and, and a bit of different kind of ripeness picking. So we look for some riper fruit and some, you know, really tropical fine flavours and then some more some fruit that's picked a bit earlier for um, for a bit of acidity and a bit of freshness. So, um, yeah, and a bit of um, barrel ferment for a bit of complexity. Um, but that's been a really, really popular one for us. We've seen some big increases in that volume through our brand. And it's now actually, our, it's our stripping our, our um, Mount Brown uh, Sauvignon Blanc sales this year, which is, yeah, which is, you know, shows how popular the variety has um, become. And on the reds, anything else other than the Pinot? Oh, yeah, well, we do a rosé as well, and we also do a Riesling. So the rosé we make, oh, we make a couple of different rosés. Uh, we make one under the Mount Brown label, uh, and that's this year. It's made from Tempranillo, which is a um, Spanish variety, and, and some Syrah, and really, really attractive. Yeah, so we bring that fruit in, and we... Um, we don't really treat it as uh, red wine. Uh, we treat it as white wine. So we harvest the grapes and pop them into a press straight away. And, and we get some nice, well, and really bright pink, purpley kind of juice out of those. And um, it makes for a very, very attractive um, attractive rosé. Mm-hmm. And the Wild River is our, uh, our other other brand that we make. And that's we do a Pinot Noir and a rosé and a, a Pinot Gris and a Sauvignon Blanc in that brand and range. Yeah, the Riesling's, it's a slightly sweeter style. It's not like sweet. It's like balanced. It has that kind of acidity and, and sweetness, you know. So it comes in a wee bit sweet, but finishes nice and dry with a bit of acid. Yeah, a good balance on that on that style. So um, January sounds like you're pretty happy with the 2020, both in quality and, and quantity, which is which is exciting. Yeah, yeah, everything's come through yeah, really, really well. You were operating, obviously, when, when, once lockdown happened, there were two operators uh, at the Mount Brown Estate. One was the harvester driver, um, Andrew Florence, he's our, our vineyard manager. So he'd bring the grapes and into me and I'll do all the processing and and wine making by myself just for two or three weeks until until things got a bit a little bit more relaxed. So yeah, we we chipped away at it. Yeah, we had a long long term goal to, to harvest all our fruit. It was it got pretty dire there for a wee bit. We were no, we were an essential service. <laughs> Alcohol's a must, I think, for the general public. But yeah, we, we chipped away at it, and after about two two and a half three weeks, we were um, some of the seller hands in the system uh, winemaker came back on site and helped tidy things away and just help with the finer details of making the wine. But you no. Know, in general, really, really happy with the quality. Well, vintage is always, it always throws a bit of a curve for that, yeah. It's always very busy and, and interesting and something always happens, And but this is one for the books. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think so. Well, I think we're all very happy uh, yeah. to, uh, to get this vintage in. And so when, when can people expect to be able to see those available? So Red's another year and a half, is it, before they are released? Yeah, yeah that'll be that'll be about right. Pinot Noirs we take we just take through for a season. So we'll be bottling the twenty twenty Pinot Noirs in February, uh, January, February. So they spend about eight months in barrel prior to bottling. The whites, well we've currently we're going through the winery and protein stabilising all the whites at the moment and then we'll be into a period of settling and filtering and bottling. So I think the first wine's due for bottling next month, which will be a, a Mount Brown Estate uh, rose. Followed closely behind by some some Pinot Gris and some Sauvignon Blanc, yeah, in August. Yeah, 
Good. Okay. Well, we very much look forward to the uh, the twenty twenty. Sounds like it's going to be worth worth waiting a little bit for and be exciting to try those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's good vintage. Good vintage for Wipro. Hey. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for the quick update. We appreciate that. Yeah. No. Thanks, Boris. Good talking. We've been speaking with Paul Goodage from The Bone Line, Paul Donaldson from Pegasus Bay and Frank Manifold from Mount Brown Estate, all in Waipara in North Canterbury. Uh, if you'd like to find out more, you can find their web addresses in the description of this podcast. And also be sure to have a listen to some of the other Great New Zealand Wine podcasts and some of the other series that are on podcast.nz. Uh, this episode was brought to you by Bazibu.com. Let's get your business started. And we look forward to your company again very shortly. Thanks for listening in. Hey, Kono Mai. Bye for now.